Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing is brought to you by Influential, a strategic consultancy that takes the guesswork out of influencer marketing for your brand. We provide much-needed strategically crafted frameworks on how to implement influencer campaigns specific to your brand needs. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another fabulous edition of Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing. As usual, I'm not riding solo. And Dolly, my partner in Influence, how are you? Hey, um, Cynthia, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you finding this self-isolation working for you? Look, um, I'm an introvert by nature, um, so it's not really changed my life a whole lot. I think it's just taken my choices away, which is a bit yeah, scary. Like, you you can't choose to leave the house. But other than that, um, working from home is great. I've yeah. been doing that for a while. Um, but, yeah, it hasn't really impacted me that much that yet. Much. Look, I think if we speak maybe in a week's time, it might be different. Might be different. And I hope everybody else at home is um, washing their hands and uh, social distancing. But that's not what we're discussing today. We discussed... Uh, the impact of the COVID-19 last week in our last episode, and it was a, a gem, wasn't it? Yeah, it was so interesting. Busi was yeah. a mine of, of information and just insights. Yes, she was. And today, so we are discussing the state of influencer marketing. We're looking at the historic, the current, and what uh, the future holds. And who better than Jine Nail, uh, head of sales at Wefluential, to quickly walk us through the state of influencer marketing. So she started yeah. her career in events and promotions after which she was in a project manager and client services role at a very big agency. And she's been with Wefluential since 2018. I've had the pleasure of working with this lady and trust me, when I call her Kalisa, the mother of dragons, I know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, she is she is the best in the game. Yeah, I think... Uh... When you just described her that way, it just fits her so perfectly. She is the mother of dragons when it comes to influencer marketing. I think we should also just note um, to our listeners, because yeah. of this lovely pandemic and we're all staying at home, uh, Cynthia and I are trying to obviously get better um, quality audio from home for you guys. Um, so this episode is just myself and Janae, unfortunately. Cinti is not in the mix yet, but we're hoping to get him on soon, soon, soon again. Thank you so much for joining us today, Janae. Really, really appreciate your time. No problem. Awesome. So let's get into it. Um, you are the head of sales at Webferential currently, but uh, in reality, I know personally that you do a lot more than that. Can you please tell everyone what you do and what you love and just who you are in a nutshell? Yeah, so I think um, although the role is, is seen as a sales role, I think it's so much more than that, um, especially because I come from a, a project management background. I actually feel that really does assist from a sales perspective. So I don't really see myself as a salesperson. Um, but basically what the role entitles is, you know, I really need to identify brands that I think um, need influencers or could benefit from the use of influencers. Um, I then need to form those client relationships. And that's sometimes the hardest part because, you know, it's not everyone that's going to give you um, a 30 minute meeting and then allow you to sort of build that relationship with them from there. Um, and then it's really the important thing of linking the correct influencers to that brand. So 
it's no good you run an influencer campaign but you've chosen the wrong influencers to represent that brand in terms of whether it be their audiences or the style of content they create and then um, the project management side and I think that really really does help a salesperson because you you've got a whole project to manage it's not just um, the sale and um, there's so much more yeah. that needs to happen to ensure that the campaign runs smoothly and then lastly it's just the reporting and the insights and if you're not managing that campaign um, all the way through you're not going to know what those insights are and how to guide your clients and how to improve from campaign to campaign. Absolutely. And I think um, when people see titles, um, you must actually speak to the person to understand what they're doing. Because I think you pretty much an all-rounder from an account manager to sales to keeping that relationships going to making sure you're tracking the whole campaign to reporting. So there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah, so much more than sales. Absolutely. So when were you personally introduced to influencer marketing and what did it actually mean back then? So it was back in 2018 when I actually joined the Infinity Group um, and I actually had so much learning to do um, at the time. And, you know, the, the group sort of believes in you need to train yourself and upskill yourself. And there's so much to read out there. So, yeah, it was in 2018. And uh a lot of learning had to come from that because if you don't know the space, it can be quite daunting. Um, yeah. It was quite new at the time. And then it was also distinguishing the difference between the different sort of the nanos and the macros and the different offerings within our group. So really finding my niche within the group. Absolutely. And like you say, it's so daunting um, when you're coming to, to this new marketing channel and you don't really know what's happening because it is a huge learning curve. And then also things like change literally every day. <laughs> yeah. And I also think from brand to brand, it's so different. Um, I always speak about different strategies when I pitch to the clients and I say to them, you know, um, we need to find the right strategy that, that's right for you. A financial firm, for example, is not going to have the same strat as an FMCG brand. So the messaging and the way your campaigns are structured are so completely different. Um, and that's everything that, that I had to learn around what works for what brand, for what industry. Absolutely. And I think that's a big take out is that um, it's not a one size fits all. You can't just copy and paste to different clients. Exactly. Yeah. So can you chat to us more about how you've experienced influencer marketing evolving over the last two, three years that you've been in the space? So I think what, what's come out of it um, is that we're finding a lot more um, listening tools and collaborative tools that, that are being launched. Um, I think it's almost endless at this point. Um, yeah. There's even more social media platforms if you're looking at the Snapchats and the TikTok. So it's all these different platforms, whether it be on the collaboration side, on the listening side, or on the actual content creation side, that are being introduced into the market. And, and I think it's tough for brands because that's where someone like me comes in and needs to guide them and say, look, this is or isn't a good fit for your brand based on my experience or my views and for you and the client to unpack that together. Um, so, yeah, it's more so just the, the evolution of everything and, and keep, keeping your finger on the tab, you know, what what's going to work for which client. No, exactly. Um, so what do you think is the next big evolution on whether it be platform, whether it be reporting software, just everything in the influence marketing space? Well, I think um, it's twofold. I think the, the first thing I want to say is that 
what I don't think the next evolution in South Africa is going to be is is TikTok. And and I think um, a lot of brands want to play in the space. And I've seen some of my biggest clients that that want to play in the space. And from experience, we're just struggling so much to um, understand how to use the platform from a South African perspective. Um, the reason okay. being, you can have a South African content creator with five million followers, but there's no way of tracking where those followers sit. And, you know, what we unpack with my clients is, is most of the time, because it's a, a what, an Asian-based company, right. um, it's, it's, you find that a lot of the audience are sitting overseas. And, and so what is the actual benefit to a South African client, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we actually recommend is if you like the originality thereof or the trending thereof, you can use it as a content creation platform, but we still need to yeah. revert back to platforms such as Facebook and Instagram that are more relevant to our current audience in South Africa. Um, so yeah, rather repurposing it onto Facebook and Instagram and targeting it from them. Look, I'm quite surprised that you said that. I mean, in the last couple of months, everyone is just harping on about TikTok, 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 and you need to get your brand on TikTok, and it's just so amazing. Um, and I, I agree with you. I haven't really seen much from a South African point of view, and obviously we have our TikTok stars, but like you say, um, there's no way of knowing who they're speaking to. And ultimately, in influencer marketing, we need to look at the audiences. Well, exactly. I mean, if you're not going to do that, what's the point really, you know? Um, it's the same thing as like, would you put a billboard up if you don't know where you're putting that billboard up? Would you put that billboard up in Asia if you're a South African brand? So why would you do that digitally? Um, and so, so yeah, it's just like we said, if you want to play in that space, once again, it comes down to the strategy around how you're going to use the platform. Um, and it's not just going in blindly and, and using the platform for the sake of using the platform. Yeah, and I do love um, what you say about it is a beautiful platform or an amazing platform to to create those videos and then just use that on other platforms where if people will see it and we know you're reaching the right audience. I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So do you think um, influencer marketing is more effective or less effective when you combine it with other marketing activities? So like your PR, television, out of home, um, or do you think it's just as powerful being a standalone campaign? Well, I think it depends on the campaign, to be honest with you. As a general rule, I do feel that influencer marketing should form a part of um, your marketing mix because yeah. all around, you know, all these – so I, I've got a marketing background and, and it's all around your touch points. You know, it's, it's very seldom you're going to – sell someone on your product um, with one touch point. It takes something, yeah. like, even from just a digital perspective, six touch points before someone actually notices slash considers your brand. So the same goes for if I'm seeing a billboard and then I'm seeing something in a magazine and then I'm seeing something online yeah. and then I see my favorite influencer recommend, well, those are those multiple touch points. So in that way, especially when it comes to brand launches and you're looking for like mass awareness, that's where it's very, very important. Um, and then just something interesting is I ran a study with one of my clients um, through Facebook, through a campaign that we ran. Yeah. We actually compared influencer marketing uh, or the content, how that performed to how 
brand plus influencer content performed. And although both performed really well, uh, and then of course there's also your branded content on its own, the sector yeah. that outperformed the most was the brand plus influencer content. So that target market that saw both brand and influencer content appear on their timelines. So once again, just showing that it can be a standalone, it still performs well, but it performs mm-hmm. at its absolute best when combined with other channels. I suppose that comes down to as well, you already have those people who absolutely love the brand and now they're seeing really relatable content that kind of combines with the brand and then they kind of have a bigger impact and a bigger buy-in of that. Yes, and a lot of the sort of, you know, FMCG brands, it's all around um, different ways of using products, you know, and that's what people want is that relatability, those new ideas. Um, Think about it where we are at the moment with the foodie brands. Um, everyone's stuck at home and we're stuck with a certain set of (laughs) ingredients. So, um, you know, it's now more relevant than ever to try and um, come up with new ways of using these products that are in our homes. Absolutely. Look, I think every single person is coming out of this lockdown an expert cook and baker because it's all we seem to be doing, which is fantastic. (laughs) And that leads me to asking you, um, pre the pandemic, uh, pre COVID PC, what were the most popular ways you saw brands using influencers? Um, I do think in, in my space, the space that I love playing in the most are the FMTG brands, the, the 3D brands, the content creation brands, simply because um, people are so tired of brands pushing themselves onto consumers. Um, mm. And it's just so nice to see how other people, more normal people, use brands um it's not always the most beautiful piece of content um think about it for example if you're trying to reach a lsm of three to three to five or five to seven mm-hmm. um branded content is is generally quite premium and so by using the right influences creating content relevant to those sort of audiences you know um that's really special to be able to create that relatable content um yeah, and then also there's, you know, the controlling the narrative. We find that, um, especially from a Twitter perspective, um, brands are trying to control conversations, um, oh. and hashtags, etc. And that's been pretty popular. Most of you know that Influential is our podcast sponsor. But did you know that my co-host Anne heads up the agency? And that is the first ever boutique agency in South Africa that specializes in developing strategy for influencer marketing. Anne and her team are experts in the field and they've spent years warning their skills and knowledge about influencer marketing and at some of the country's biggest PR and media agencies. The moment that you think you might want an influencer campaign, make sure to call or email them first because without strategy, you might not have the outcomes that you would like and are looking for. In addition to talking all things influence on this podcast and also puts together the fantastic influential newsletter that comes out every month. And this is another way for you to keep up to date with the industry. The link to latest newsletter is in the show notes. Check it out. And if you like, please subscribe. And contact details are also on there. Let's keep the conversation flowing. Okay. So what do you think? post-pandemic, like PP or PC, um, after this lockdown, how will it change how brands use influencers to speak to their audiences? Because we're already seeing, 
I mean, you can't do your traditional advertising right now because um, people are kind of holed up in their homes and turning to the internet, they're turning to platforms. Well, what we're seeing that, that's happening at the moment is that um, brands are actually steering away from themselves for a change, which is actually quite nice to see. Yeah. And it's actually more around the community and giving back. Um, so a lot of the briefs that we're seeing coming through is, is more so along sort of education and um, around the virus and around sort of better ways of living, etc. Um, and the brand's just getting involved in that messaging, whether it be tips around um, sort of what to do at home, you know, whether it be tips around if you're homeschooling, these are some really cool ideas, etc. So it's nice that the brands are doing that their bit in that way. Absolutely, and I absolutely love that. Um, over the last, what we've been locked on now for a week at the time of this recording, and um, you've already seen that shift, and I love the brands who's getting on board with that, and everyone is loving it because this is really not the time to push a product in my face. It's really not the time to try and sell to me. Um, we're all in uncertain times. So you see these beautiful brands getting behind the stay-at-home campaigns and just using their influence and their power to tell people, please stay at home. This is what you can do. Um, and then we're, of course, seeing the brands who's forgotten to pause their advertising. And it's just, it's actually cringeworthy to see. <laughs> so it actually comes out like quite insensitive. Um, at the same time, we we are seeing the, um, the FMCG space realizing, well, we've got all these people in their homes. So yeah. now's a good time to, to increase what they're doing. Um, and, you know, digital is the space to be at the moment when you're looking at um, other sectors. So, I mean, a lot of people are pulling their billboards, you know, um, where we, we more than ever now, you know, are seeing an increase in the, in the use of social media. And then you're looking at brands like your entertainment brands and uh, your Netflixes, your Showmaxes, your DSTV. You know, there's a massive opportunity in that space. People are spending a lot of time at home and, and they're looking for that uh, entertainment factor. So, yeah, a lot of brands in that way that can hop on board that that maybe haven't played in the influencer space too much in the past. Absolutely. Do you think that trend's going to continue after um, life goes back to a new normal, I suppose? You know, I think, will it go back to normal? Um, I was thinking, you know, I mean, Yes, in, in two weeks' time we walk out here, yeah, but does it mean I'm going to go and shake someone's hand? Does it mean I'm going to go back to life as normal? I, I think we're all changed, um, to be honest. And and I think in the same way from an advertising perspective, I think there will always be something in the back of these people's minds around, right, if this worked for me during this time, um, why why would I go back to my old ways of, of splitting my budget? So I think some industries uh, may... Um, benefits especially in the digital space going forward um, yeah. so yeah I, I think everyone's behavior is going to change from from a, their daily lives but as well as you know budget spend absolutely so I do agree with you I think um, they might go back to their traditional advertising but I think they're going to allocate much bigger chunks to digital and influencer marketing just purely because they would have seen the results um, during this period yeah, and probably a lot of brands are trialing the space now where they haven't in the past. So um, it's nice to be able to to get that spend and um, exposure to those sort of brands. Absolutely. Um, so shifting a, a gear or two, um, can you tell us about 
one of your most interesting campaigns that you've done to date, um, and you don't need to mention obviously brand names, but what was the strategy and the concept behind it and why did you love it so much? So um, I think my favorite campaign so far was, was actually a collaborative campaign between a few agencies and that's actually quite nice because when that does happen, you use the various strengths from different agencies to to all contribute to the success of a campaign. Um, but it was one of those controlling a narrative um, campaigns where the brand was making a negative announcement. And through the use of influencers, we had to control how that announcement was going to be perceived by the public. Um, and it was just showing you how powerful the the social media and the influencer tool is because instead of um, the brand being bashed by by their making this negative announcement um, by putting a humorous um, spin on it and having influencers control the conversation and the hashtags without anyone really being aware of it um, we successfully managed to control that conversation and protect the brand's reputation despite the fact that they were making a negative announcement and that just really shows you the the power of influencer marketing and that wasn't even with people being aware that it was an influencer campaign. I suppose it also comes down to the power of um, kind of word of mouth um, where like you say and I think I know exactly the campaign you're talking about and it was very powerful um, and it was done in such a subtle manner where the influencers weren't told like the usual when you get influencer campaigns and they're talking, talking about brand, they were more steered um, to just be part of a conversation that everyone else was having. And yeah, there was that, zero endorsement, absolutely no endorsement of the brand. Um, it was simply just being a part of the conversation in a natural and authentic way. Yeah. So what um, results did you see coming out of that? So I think the most important thing was that we met the client's objective in terms of making sure that the hashtag that we were trying to get trending trended and that no other hashtags trended. Um, obviously, from a reach perspective, because of the talkability, we way overachieved there. But that really wasn't the KPR. The KPR was control yeah. the conversation. And, and yeah, we managed to do that quite successfully. I absolutely love that. So um, we know that you also do a lot of campaigns in the rest of the African countries. So firstly, can you tell us um, which countries do you mainly work with um, outside of South Africa and Africa? Yeah, so I think the nice thing about Webfluential is that we are a global platform. We've got partners across um, the globe and um, South Africa is just one of the partners, you know. So we form yeah. a part of the South African branch. Um, the great thing about it is that because our execution is so strong in South Africa, we actually end up executing globally for, for some of the global partners. So Amazing. they might be the client service on that end, um, but we execute from, from our side. But from the countries where we both client service and um, execute would be uh, Kenya, Nigeria, and Botswana mainly, um, okay. the African countries, yeah. So what is the big differences that you see between the South African market and the other African countries? Are we more mature? Are we lagging? Um, what do they do differently to us? I must say it's very similar. Um, and in the beginning, yeah. I was actually quite surprised in terms of how great the content creators are in those campaigns too, uh, especially Nigeria, Kenya. Those guys are really, really great. Um, even Botswana, fantastic content creators. So, um yeah, you you know it's it's quite it's quite on par. 
I think something to consider, however, is that I recently did a campaign in, in Kenya and the brand there was facing challenges that the brand doesn't face in South Africa. Um, okay. And so they had a massive reputation um, damage control to do in Kenya. And it was just us having to wrap our mindset around um, the sensitivity of the campaign um, yeah. in that market. Um, you know, that that wouldn't be the case in, in South Africa, for example. And I think you bring up um, quite an important point there. When you look at influencer marketing, I suppose any other marketing um, discipline, we have to kind of read the room, if that's, if you can call it that, kind of your target audience, and be quite conscious of if there are any sensitivities that will cause even a bigger reputational damage and how to mitigate that. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very tricky. And that's some of the brand's biggest cautions when playing in the influencer space is you've got all these people speaking about your brand, um, you know, and what if something goes south? And and I always just say the most important thing is this is why you have community managers. The influencers are there to create content for you. They're there to um, endorse your brand in a way that you can't, having people speaking about your brand, um, having your brand into those micro communities. Um, but the reason we still tag your brands in the content um, number one is is to um, abide by the regulations, but number two is because we're open with with the audiences in terms of the collaboration, and that way it brings the brand into the conversation. So the minute there's a controlling of a conversation that needs to happen, the brand does need to step in. Um, you know, they can't leave the influencers to high and dry. Um, the brand still has a role to play in an influencer campaign. I think also um, brands and community managers are so, so important because um, like you say, your influencers are your content creators. They aren't there. They're not communication specialists a lot of the time. They, they are, their speciality are being creative and getting your message across. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So what would be your top three tips? For anyone wanting to run an influencer campaign, especially now during what we're going through, I think um, personally it's it's very important for you to use the right tool and understand. I think it starts with understanding what you want out of a campaign, then identifying which tool um, would be the best tool for you to use. Um, but hand in hand, that goes with the tool is the people that are managing that tool. And it's no good you have a really good tech, but the people managing that tech or your campaign aren't experienced collaborators or mm. um, project managers or client service managers, as a matter of fact, because those things are all important um, in terms of how you as a client would experience the campaign. Um, and then, yeah, just, you know, people that could have, by managing that entire campaign, help you as clients unpack that campaign and understand what worked, what didn't work, how you can improve. So, mm. yes, the tool is important, but the people managing the tool and your campaign are as important. Absolutely. I think uh, teamwork is the dream work when we speak about these things. Exactly. It's, it's a collaboration between the brand and, and um, the influencer tool and the people managing the tool. It's, it's not one or the other. Um, everyone has to work together to ensure campaign success. I think um, speaking of tools and just being able to use a platform as a client, I don't think a lot of clients know what the 
kind of what goes on in the back um, when you're using a tool like Webflential. Yes, it's amazing. It's the tech, like you say, it's strong tech. But who's using it? How are you using it? Who are the people and collaborators behind the scenes to make all this magic happen? Exactly. Yeah. So um, thanks. We have come to the end of our chat. Very insightful. Is there anything else that you would like to to add to what we've discussed so far? Oh, I think just, um, you know, find us on LinkedIn, find us on Instagram. Um, we often share relevant articles. Um, we're under Webfluential South Africa. So as mentioned, there is a normal Webfluential, but um, for local content um, and statistics, etc., uh, where Fluential South Africa is the right pages to follow. Perfect. And you personally, Janae, where can they find you? Same, um, LinkedIn, um, Janae Nell, and you'll see the big Webfluential um, logo. So, yeah, definitely LinkedIn would be the best place to um, find me as well as the brand. Amazing. Janae, thank you. Thank you so much for your time this morning. I know you're very busy, especially with clients right now trying to find their feet. So we really appreciate your time. But yeah, stay home, stay safe, and we'll chat soon. Appreciate it. Have a good day further.